Hello, my beautiful people. Welcome to Permission to Think. I'm Edmund Rustrian, and I'm glad you're joining me today. First, I need to take a moment to say thank you to many people who tuned in last week to listen to our very first podcast episode. Start with what you have, and the rest will come as a success. From the bottom of my heart, I want to say thank you for taking a few minutes of your time to listen. I hope it added value to you. I mean, you share this blessing with friends and family. Secondly, I want to thank the incredible team who made this possible. I would never be able to do this without you. To Stephanie, you are just first class at everything you do. Your vision, talent, and attention to detail leaves me in awe of the great gifts God has given you. Your future is bright, my dear. To Betsy, my wife, you are truly relentless. Everything I have ever accomplished is because you sacrificed so much. And because you believe in me and the calling God placed over my life. For all the tears and all the pain and laughter and joy, I just want to let you know I would do it again. Love you, my baby. When I was doing my undergraduate degree, I had to take a philosophy class. And the book the professor chose for the class was Does the Center Hold by Donald Palmer. The premise of the book is the question of the paradigm of philosophy by which you live your life will hold when chaos interrupts. Can order and chaos coexist? Now I must say, this was my first introduction to philosophy. And the moment I walked into this class, it opened my mind to think far beyond what I had ever done before. The reason why is because for once in my life, I had the freedom to ask questions without feeling judged and without condemnation from well-intended people who told me to just have faith and never question my belief in God. I always felt that by not asking questions about life's biggest topics such as God, morality, ethics, values, education, secularism, and all other isms, I was being irresponsible. It was this philosophy class, in fact, that led me to have a greater meaningful experience with God It was this class that challenged me to think critically and educated me to see that I was not the only person to ask questions and that God does not reject me because I have questions. On the contrary, he encourages it, especially when we sincerely look into knowing him personally. Furthermore, it reassured me that many men and women throughout history have also struggled in this particular area as well. And through deductive reasoning and empirical data, they try to arrive at a conclusion for the meaning and purpose of life. Now, the interesting thing about philosophy is that it never seems to fully answer questions. Instead, you find yourself asking more questions. Many who continue in their path to search and find meaning eventually have to draw the thin line between philosophy and madness. This desire to learn and ask questions led me to search for more, and I'm glad I did. I'm convinced that we all come to Christ in various ways. He used a philosophy class to confirm Jeremiah 29, 13. You will seek for me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. And so we segue to the topic of the day. Let's give ourselves permission to think and ponder on the following four questions. Number one, what do you use to measure the quality of your life? Number two, what evidence can others see in you that reflect a solid and sound paradigm or philosophy by which you live? Number three, 
how do you make decisions? Remember, now making a decision is a decision. Number four, did Jesus teach on values? If he did, what are they? Our topic of the day is on values. Let's start with a quote from my dear friend, John Maxwell. Values are the criteria you use to drive your behavior. We all must decide what values we will embrace, what we will live for, what we will die for. Setting a value system in your life, marriage, and work will help you differentiate between what's really important and what's not. This is particularly true regarding finances, faith, communication, and long-term decisions. Living life without having a value system is like a ship without a compass or rudder. You and your family will be at the mercy of the waves of life tossing you back and forth. Do you make decisions using your value system? When was the last time you made a decision using your value system? How did it turn out? And we return to the question, did Jesus have a value system? Let's look at Matthew chapter 7 from verse 24 to 27. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell. And great was its fall. On what or who are you building your house, your life, your finances, your future? your children. Many times, life hits hard. Many times, we find that chaos comes into our home. Many times, the floods come in. Many times, the rain just keeps pouring. The winds blow. And what gets you through those tough moments, it's what you have said, what I have said, as a solid foundation that will carry us through those very difficult times. The most recent moment that we all can think of is through this pandemic. And during the lockdowns and when people had to quarantine and no one can go anywhere, our very essence of our values was tested. The way our marriages, many of them, have fallen to the wayside, many relationships broken, children who unfortunately um, suffered emotional and verbal abuse, families who cannot maintain their homes and financially and eventually ended up, some of them homeless or in shelters. It's hard. It's hard when chaos comes into our homes. It's difficult to desire to continue to live when you feel that every moment you try to get up, it just knocks you down. 
And it is in those moments that our values and where we are grounded and who we are grounded on that makes all the difference in the world. Our faith in Christ, our desire to live a life that is grounded on faith in Him is one of the main things that for me have carried me through very, very difficult times. And I ask you again, on what or who are you building your house, your life, your finances, your future, your children? What are we modeling for our children? What are we showing them when difficult times come? They see it. They know. When hard times fall upon us, do we sit down and watch TV all day? Do we drink our hearts out? Do we binge on shows to appease the emptiness that we have and no answer to life's toughest questions? Do we just ponder and we just mope and we make ourselves a victim of that? Or do we build the courage to say, no, I'm going to show my children that when life hits you hard, you hit back harder, but you do it on your knees and you pray. That's a great value system to start off with. Prayer is the one thing that has kept me throughout my journey in life. So let's look at now at Matthew twenty-two, thirty-seven through 40. Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. The order matters. Jesus said, love God, then love your neighbor as yourself. He did not say, love yourself, then your neighbor, and then God. And the reason why the order matters is because it is impossible to really understand the relationship that we have with our neighbor if we don't first establish and obey that first and greatest of commandments to love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is critical. When we have a relationship with God, we get to know the heart of God. We get to know his character we get to know the essence of the very things that make his heart glad. He doesn't want us to be tossed back and forth through life. He doesn't want us to be wandering around in life trying to figure things out. When we find that relationship with God and with God alone, everything else in our lives finds meaning, purpose, and it aligns itself that we lose this perspective that is all about us. And I think that that's the travesty of our generation and just of human at times, that we think that we are the center of everything and everything is about us and everything is about me. And look what I am doing and look what I am accomplishing. And then we see everything else in relation to ourselves and ultimately it drives us to a point where we find that we don't have happiness or joy or fulfillment, or serenity or peace. Instead, what we find is 
conflict and we invite chaos into our very beings, into our minds, into our hearts. When you have God in your life and you seek him with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind, you find the very, very essence of why you and I live. He gives us that reason. He gives us that purpose and is to have communion with God that our hearts may rest and be at peace in knowing that we are his children, that he loves us and he cares for us. And as a result of that relationship, then we can love our neighbor as ourselves. These two examples illustrate what Jesus placed value on. Number one, built a solid foundation for life on Christ alone. He is the chief cornerstone. The value of trust and confidence in Christ for salvation is key. Number two, as a result of loving God first, we can love our neighbor as ourselves. This is the first and greatest commandment. So where are you right now? Do you need help? Do you need a mentor? Do you need to reevaluate your values? How did you get to where you are right now? Well, I can tell you that everything begins with a thought. Thoughts matter and matter greatly. Where we are is because of the way we think. Our thoughts lead us to the life we have and potentially to the life we desire. Over and over again, you will hear me perhaps quote a book that has impacted my life greatly. And I read this book every month because it has changed my life. This book is called As a Man Thinketh. It's an old book. It was written by James Allen. But in it, he writes these beautiful words. Listen carefully. Man is made or unmade by himself. In the armory of thought, he forges the weapons by which he destroys himself. Only by much searching and mining are gold and diamonds obtained. And a man can find every truth connected with his being if he will dig deeper into the mind of his soul. Have you ever taken time to think about your thoughts? Have you ever examined the impact your thoughts have on your body, health, emotions, and life? Take a few minutes to think deeply about the thoughts you had throughout the day. Were they good thoughts? Were they bad thoughts? Think long and hard about your values. Can you list 10 values by which you live your life? Go ahead. Maybe you want to grab a piece of paper or maybe you want to list them on your phone or maybe you just want to record it. Can you think of 10 values by which you live your life? How about five? How about three? How about one core value? I know it's hard. It's hard to really think about what drives our life. It's hard to think what are going to be the values that are going to carry us through life. This was very difficult when I sat down one day and gave it a lot of thought. 
and I ask myself over and over again, what are the core values that drive my life? I can tell you that I've failed many times, and I can tell you that I made many mistakes, and I can tell you that I, through this process I've hurt a lot of people, I hurt myself and my family, and there had to be a lot of forgiveness, I had to practice a lot of love, I had to practice and really reflect on my loved ones and what how I was living my life was impacting them. It hurt. It hurt because I had to realize that I couldn't continue to live life that way. And I had to really push myself to get to the point that I didn't want my life to be lived that way. So I did a 180 and writing those values really shifted my life in a different direction. There's a great book called The Leadership Challenge. I suggest you pick it up. It's a great read, powerful, and I've learned some beautiful, wonderful lessons in that book. There's a quote there that reads, you can't do what you say if you don't know what you believe. Nor can you do what you say if you don't believe in what you're saying. Please think about that. Let's take time to explore some values to help us get an idea on living a value-based life. Think about values. Think about things that matter the most to you and things that you know you want to ground yourself on. Some values can be family, friendship, integrity, honesty, commitment, courage, decisiveness, teamwork, ambition, accountability, candor, humility, kindness, leadership, communication, compassion, faith, discipline, self-control, productivity, passion. The list goes on. When you write these values down, and then you based your life or your decision making on, on these values, it really eliminates all the emotional attachment that we have to things. If you value being debt free, you realize that you would think long and hard before you purchase anything on a credit card or take out a loan. If you value teamwork, you won't make a decision without including your family or people who mentor you, or people who love you. If you value discipline, you know the great benefits of it, and you know that you discipline your life, your eating habits, your health habits, your thinking habits. You discipline your life in such a way that you know that the great benefits it will have in your life because you discipline and show self-control. These values and many of more who that I have written down have really given me such a eye-opening experience that I always ask myself, why didn't I do this before? Here's a little story. You are thinking of buying a new car. You walk into the car dealership and Dennis, the salesman, greets you at the door. 
With a winning smile, he welcomes you and makes you feel like the most important person in the world. Dennis then proceeds to ask you, Welcome, how are you today? You answer, Wonderful. With all the confidence in the world because you know about cars and how to get a good deal. Dennis then asks, How can I help you today? What type of vehicle are you considering? You say, I'm looking for a brand new 2022 Dodge Challenger SRT Hellcat. Dennis can't help but smile and he says to you, Sure, Mr. Customer, it will be my pleasure to make the deal work for you. Are you paying cash, financing, or leasing? Financing. Any money down? You answer, I want a nothing down deal. Of course, Dennis exclaims. As you begin to fill out the paperwork, your wife calls and asks, where are you? To which you respond, out. What are you doing? You respond sheepishly, nothing. She then figures out, based on the background noise and the GPS tracking system on your phone, that you are at the car dealership. She then loses it and screams at you for not talking to her about it. And a big fight ensues. Dennis's big smile just turned upside down. What do you think happens next? Does this scenario sound too familiar? Why was the decision of buying a car made without a value system? Let's look upon some of the reasons. One, a want versus a need. Many of us put wants over needs. This is a priority issue. This is when we say to ourselves, I want this. And we don't think about the impact it's going to have on our family, on our budget, on the unexpected needs that may come. So there are unintended consequences for the want when we don't have a value system in place. Number two, I deserve a good car because I work hard. And Jesus wants me to have good things in life. It's called the blessed life. Really? I think for many of us, we really need to consider what it, a blessed life really is. When you look at the life of people who have sacrificed and giving so much of themselves to add value to others. When we look at the work of Mother Teresa, a noble heart, a woman who wanted and believed so much in the word of God that she saw her life as a tool, as a vessel by which to bring the love of Christ to others. Was she not blessed? We need to change this way of thinking that our material things and our possessions and the accolades and our wealth is the only way by which we determine a blessed life. A true blessed life is the serenity and the peace that we feel when hard times come upon us is the reassurance that is in Christ and Christ alone that can never, that nothing in this world can ever take, take that away from us. And when those things have their right place is when we understand how wealth, how rich and how accomplished we may feel at times have their place. They never take the core center of our heart. Let's look at number three, no communication. How many of us, and I've done this many times before, where we don't communicate what we are going to purchase or what we are going to um, 
go to the store, particularly with a big ticket item as a car, right? You're talking about a Hellcat and this it's in this little story of, you know, someone going to the dealer and just buying this $60,000, $70,000 car. And you make that decision on your own without consulting your your spouse and having a conversation and sitting down and making a budget. That, yeah, that's that's going to bring some problems. Let's look at number four. Did not value or consider agreeing with the spouse. Yeah. I think in this particular case, maybe the spouse or wife has really concern as to how you're going to spend big chunk of the family budget. Number five, misplaced motivation. This is where we get in trouble. I think quite often commercials do a great job at this, at motivating us to, to go and to present the best image of a person, having fun, having a great time, and getting some status quo. And this is where motivation comes from. It's very dangerous. Number six, values, debt over saving and investing. This is quite often. I think that many of us think that just because we can make a car payment or we can just make payments that we can afford it. And I think that this is a big lie. I think we present the world an image that is not necessarily true. And I, I think that that's what we usually hang ourselves up on is on the image that we want to project to others or what we consider to be successful. And I think this is a matter of really being thoughtful and sitting down and really thinking about who you really are and more importantly, maybe whose you really are. And the last one, evidence, no prayer was made before purchasing. Yeah, the word says that make your request be known to God. Acknowledge the Lord in all your ways and he shall direct your path. Prayer should be the main driver in our lives. We bring our prayers and our needs to God. He will lead us. He will give us direction. And many times... I think I've found in life that I've said no to a lot of things in order so that I may enjoy the true essence and the purpose for which I was created. I think that when we delay instant gratification, we find a greater joy awaits us. And at times, many times over, I'm glad I have delayed that instant gratification for something that is of greater value. Let me share this personal story with you. Many years ago, my wife and I were going through some really, really hard times. At that time, I was driving a, a truck. Um, I used to drive tractor trailers. And in this particular case, I was driving a truck in the city. And um, it was in the evening. And I pulled over because I needed some, some money. And we were struggling. Uh, and so I took out maybe like $80 or so. As I'm pulling away from the ATM, this gentleman drives up the curve and he says, hey, excuse me. He gives me the story that um, he's traveling back to Europe and he has these jackets and he doesn't want to pay taxes on them. And he said, look, I just want to get rid of them. You know, he gives me this, you know, really wonderful story. Um, a very charming guy, very convincing. And um, I looked at the jackets and look, wow, how much do you want for them? And he goes, well, you have me 120. And I didn't have the 120. I said, well, I only have 80. And he goes, yeah, well, that's fine. I'll, I'll, I'll take that. No problem. And I take these three jackets, and as he's giving them to them to me, he's telling me, you know, the great value and the name brand and um, it's a great deal. 
and I take the jackets and I put them in the truck. And when I get home, I tell my wife, um, <laughs> what I, what I did. And, um, she was not happy. She was not happy because we were in, in a very bad place financially. And, um, considering that I was being very irresponsible that I didn't consider talking to her. And when I started looking at the jackets and realized that some of them didn't even fit me, um, I felt like a fool because I knew that I had been just hustled. And um, nothing in the world can make us feel perhaps more humiliated and embarrassed than to know that someone just hustled you. And so for me, that was a lesson that really impacted my life. And I said, I, I think I'm going to really reevaluate what my values are going to be and try to develop a greater communication and include my wife and many other life toughest decisions that I come across. And so that's a little story that I think speaks to how sometimes we get it wrong. And sometimes we really have to think about the impact that it will have, not just on us, but on our families. When you're going to make a decision, particularly a big purchase, or you're going to make a move, sit down, have a conversation, pray, and include your family in the process. You won't regret it. It will give you a great perspective on life and the outcome. In the book, The Richest Man in Babylon, George Klassen writes that being young and without experience, I did not know that he who spends more than he earns is sowing the winds of needless self-indulgence from which he is sure to reap the whirlwinds of trouble and humiliation. I think that that particular line speaks so much to the younger Edwin. And you find yourself in positions or predicaments that quite often are troublesome and humiliating. But there is hope. There's always been hope. As long as we live, we always have hope. And so let's think about establishing some values. These are some of the things that for me have had a great impact and this is what I feel really turned my life around. So let's establish some values. Let's go back and remember what our dear friend John Maxwell said. Values are the criteria you use to drive your behavior. Let me say that again. Values are the criteria you use to drive your behavior. We all must decide what values we will embrace, what we will live for, what we will die for. A value is an enduring belief. Let's look at three key principles to start making value-based decisions. Number one, who are you? Each and every day, your actions, not your words, tell the world who you are. Be watchful and see what others say of you. Do your words match your actions? In John 8, 58, Jesus said to them, Most assuredly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Every word and work Jesus performed was always to glorify the Father. His words matched his actions. You and I are created in his image. This matters greatly. When you pray, make sure that your prayers and what you're asking God 
is to bring pleasure to our Father, that your answer prayers will glorify the Father. After all, it is important to understand that we are created in his image and our identity is found in him. Number two, clarify your values. What do you stand for? Your beliefs, your convictions. When we look back and we read that quote from John Maxwell, values are the criteria you use to drive your behavior. This is so key. If you do not have clarity on what your values are and you have not written them down and you put them somewhere where you can see them in the morning or have them in the car, when you come to a point where you ask yourself, should I buy that? Well, before I make a big purchase, maybe I should really speak to my wife and find out where we are. If, not that you're asking permission, is that you have a value system now and you can't just go on. I know I just couldn't do whatever I wanted to. I am responsible. I am responsible for my family. I'm responsible for the children. If I'm going to indulge in something that's going to take food from my children, if I'm going to indulge in something that is going to take away a possible vacation that we can take together and spend more time together, I really need to think about that. So take time to clarify your values. Number three, making decisions. Let good values lead you in the decision-making process. Values are your guide. They help you navigate through turbulent times. Remember, not making a decision is a decision. John 4, 34, Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Jesus made a decision and made sure he lived it out. I want to share two small points to draw near the end. Many times there is a tendency to judge those who have achieved great success unfairly. Many of us think that those who have prospered and reached the apex or zenith of life have done it by luck or because the ball bounds their way. This way of thinking is dangerous and ungodly. Let me share with you the following example. In the book, As a Man Thinketh, James Allen writes the following. The thoughtless, the ignorant, and the indolent, seeing only the apparent effects of things and not the things themselves, talk of luck, of fortune, and chance. Seeing a man grow rich, they say, how lucky he is. Observing another become intellectual, they exclaim, how highly favored he is and noting the saintly character and wide influence of another, they remark how chance aids him at every turn. They do not see the trials and failures and struggles which these men have voluntarily encountered in order to gain their experience, have no knowledge of the sacrifices they have made, of the undaunted efforts they have put forth, of the faith they have exercised, that they might overcome the apparently insurmountable and realize the vision of their heart. They do not know the darkness and the heartaches. They only see the light and joy and call it luck. They do not see the long and arduous journey, but only behold the pleasant goal and call it good fortune. 
Do not understand the process, but only perceive the result and call it chance. Isn't this true? Many times we look at the great men and women who have achieved wonderful, wonderful things in life. And we think that luck is on their side, that God has favored them more. But let me make some things clear to you. When we have a value system and a value system of discipline, of hard work and dedication, in the long term, it pays great dividends. Seeking mentors, reading, making those values really work for us, eventually lead us down the path of success. Nothing in life ever comes easy. Nothing in life is ever given to us. Nothing in life is just handed to you. This sense of entitlement and this sense of someone owing you anything. It's a lie. Value hard work. Value adding something to the marketplace, to other people. Give first-class service. Treat people with love and respect and kindness. Those very simple actions, though hard at times, opened so many doors, opened so many opportunities, bring forth blessings beyond your imagination. So the next time you see a person that is really successful, do not be jealous or envy. Do not question their way of acquiring such positions. But instead, establish the value of discipline, self-control, dedication, love, compassion, diligence, and you will see how those very things will guide your life to great victories. Let me give you another example. In the book, The Magic of Thinking Big, David Schwartz shares, Often we blame luck for our setbacks. We say, well, that's the way the ball bounces, and let it go at that. But stop and think, balls don't bounce in certain ways for uncertain reasons. The bounce of a ball is determined by three things. The ball the way it is thrown, and the surface it strikes. Definite physical laws explain the bounds of a ball. And so life is a result of what we value and how those values are the very criteria that drives our behavior. Sit down with your spouse and your children. Have a meal together at the table. Put away all technology, no television or distractions. Begin to have meaningful conversations on values and how together as a family you can design a value system by which you are going to live life and hold each other accountable. By doing this with your loved ones, particularly with your children, you are giving them the tools they will need in life to succeed, especially when unexpectedly chaos arrives. And so I ask the question again. What do you use to measure the quality of your life? Jesus gave us a roadmap to follow. There is great truth in the words of Christ that demonstrate how to live a fruitful and blessed life by the values he spoke of and lived. May Christ alone be sufficient to meet your heart's desire. After all, 
What else is there? Our quote of the day comes from C.S. Lewis. The value of the individual does not lie in him. He receives it by union with Christ. Till next time, my friends, remember, never compromise integrity for comfort. Stay strong.